What's up? What's up? It's Kina Zantel and you are listening to Citizen the Pod. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to Adrian Gard, social worker and board member of the International Child Advancement Group. We talked briefly about 45 and his national emergency, a little Crook County, Jesse Smollett and R. Kelly Convo. And then we get into the history of Kamala Harris. Stay tuned. What's up? What's up? It's your girl, Kina Zantel. Welcome. Welcome back to Citizen the Pod. Voters, listeners, patriots. I'm glad to be back here with you. Um, happy Black History Month again. No, I am not throwing this month away. I know some people have asked for a moratorium on the month because we got so much going on. But listen, we should be Black 365, okay? I mean, McDonald's got it right. We can get it right. And clearly, there are some things that as a group we still need to work on so I am excited to be back with you again I am joined today with my homegirl I've been trying to get this girl on a show for mad long yeah um Adrian Gar, how are you I'm doing well I'm finally here it's been like a long journey yes to get her here (laughs) it's been a journey but I'm going to tell you a little bit about her um she is a licensed social worker yep I have my um, LMSW. Nice, so. nice. Um, you work with International Child Advancement Group. Yep. What do they do? So International Child Advancement, it's a nonprofit. And so basically my friend, a good friend, and I, um, Evelyn Kessler, we, along with another group of girls, um, we actually support uh, orphanage in Goma DRC. So that's the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So mm-hmm. we provide like um, livelihood provisions. We mostly provide tuition for school because mm-hmm. unlike the U.S. over in a lot of countries, public school is not free. Right. So we provide that. Um, we do have a fashion show coming up. I'll probably link that later on. Mm-hmm. We have a fashion show coming up. So I've been doing that for a couple of years now. So That is like real Oprah-like. Yeah, like, we're looking okay. to expand, actually. So we have partnerships with... Um, with the schools there and we have partnerships with the orphanage there in the church we're looking to expand in other places but sometimes it sometimes we can connect sometimes not but yeah it's it's pretty good so that's awesome that's totally awesome you also mentioned crisp what is crisp so crisp is a it's a it's the congressional institute for social work policy so dr charles lewis he started it and i've been attending events for the last two years and we do an advocacy day and we're actually going to have a round table about if social work can save democracy so what a lot of people don't know is the history of social work it's not just social workers and cps that's what most people think yes (laughs) and it's not just therapists but the foundation of social work is actually policy so social welfare policy things like our medicaid and medicare system were all put together in the 1930s by a group of social workers Mm -hmm. at the request of the president at that time so i'm very policy oriented um, because at the end of the day people live these day-to-day lives Mm -hmm. and at a what we call a macro level you know you have people sitting up here making policies for people who have to kind of walk in it day to day. And as social workers, we're concerned about human behavior and what's the social context of the interaction. Mm -hmm. Basically, that means, is this policy going to work day to day? So 
that is what I'm interested in. And so that's um, what we're interested in at CRISP is, you know, supporting policy that moves social change forward. Because right now our American public policy is not working for a lot of people. Mm, okay. So. Okay. All right. So you can see that my girl is working. Um, her background is super interesting. So first, we're going to jump into the conversation about how we have a childlike president and how we need to call <laughs> social services on his I brand mean. of crazy <laughs> in the White House. I mean, as a social worker, how do you oh view what we have going on at uh, on Pennsylvania Ave right now. I mean, he's I've I know folks who do clinical social work and mm -hmm. clinical social work is not um, is not for me, but clinical social workers like my other colleagues have noticed the uptick in clinical services directly related to anxieties about having, you know, who we have in office. Yes. Um, as far as, you know, I honestly, I can do like, you know, my uh, my couch, you know, my couch psychotherapy, but mm -hmm. he definitely seems to be, I don't know, going see now, or I feel like he almost thinks he's like the king of America, right. where he just thinks he can say something and stuff will happen, not realizing how the branches of government actually work mm -hmm. and how moving things forward is an intentionally slow process. Right. And I also have an issue with the fact that he does not take responsibility for the rhetoric and the things oh, that yeah. he says. Yeah, it's like he almost forgets or something. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he likes to um, walk his comments back after something crazy happens. Like last week, there was a National Guardsman who was found to have been building an arsenal to go ahead and, yeah. you know, he wanted to emulate, you know, domestic terrorist attacks that we've seen before on a grander scale. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, we are seeing that folks like him, the pipe bomber. And I mean, Angela Davis was on his list of folks that he wanted to kill, oh, wow. you know, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, you know, Nancy Pelosi. Again, we're seeing another domestic terrorist taking, you know, marching orders from our president and his words. And he's deciding that they're not important and it's not he just he just refuses yeah, to reflect on that and say, you know what, I may have said some things heated in a, in a heated dialogue, but I don't want my supporters to feel like it is OK to become domestic terrorists because of the things I say. Yeah, it's almost like he fails to make the connection to, mm -hmm. you know, his role. That's another thing, another mm -hmm. social worky thing. If you have any social workers listening, we look at the different roles that people play. So. With, you know, this man being, you know, basically the president of the free world, he, it's like he fails to understand his role and connect to that to what he's saying and how it influences other people who have that same, you know, sentiment. Right. Because the reason why he's in office, if we're honest, is there was a majority of people in America that had a sentiment of feeling like, you know, LeBron, you know, folks are taking something that, taking you over. know, we're entitled to. So he's there now. But it's dangerous that he does not make the connection between what he's saying and how it emboldens people to do things mm -hmm. like, you know, someone in the Coast Guard, you know, right. plan to do these things. Mm -hmm. And some of the other things that have been happening, you know, that we don't hear about in the news, you know, how there's an uptick in, you know, hate crimes, how there's an uptick in just folks saying all kinds of things, any you know, kind of ways to, you know, different looking people. So and we, he, that's a dangerous thing to not to be able to connect that. Mm -hmm. And we will come back to hate crimes because we have to discuss our homeboy, Jesse Smollett, but that's a little later. Um, but last week, um, 45 announced he would sign um, a national, uh, sign into place a national emergency to redirect agency funds in upward of $8 billion to do 
what we know he wants to do, build a wall, um, a wall that we know is really to make sure black and brown people can't come into this country. I mean, we don't hear him trying to build walls at our airports to try to keep people who Canada. plan to, you know, oversee, <laughs> uh, who plan to overextend their visas or one on the, our northern side, yeah, right? Like, what are we, Canadians are okay, <laughs> Norwegians are okay, but black and brown people seeking asylum are not okay. And it's funny because we're talking about his mental state, and I just feel like it takes three Harvard scholars, a neuroscientist, and a murderous dictator to decipher what he's really trying to say in every one of his speeches. Like, yeah. if you ever paid attention to a rally, if you read the transcript from this national emergency speech, the man. Oh, did you see it? Like is, the sing song you voice? Yes, it's I don't know babbling. Was, I don't know what was happening. Like, and you mentioned he'll walk back his comments. Like at first it was like a what did he say? He wanted rebar and like steel and all you know and concrete and like oh it's going to be a digital wall and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. The fact that he declared a national emergency to free up funds for this is very uh, dictator like. Like this is right. not something that you would declare an emergency for. Mm -hmm. You know, usually a hurricane, some type of natural disaster, mm -hmm. um, or some kind of devastation that would happen in the country is what this would be freed up for right this is just like really uh concerning it's yeah and i mean he he can literally within seconds jump topic i mean he mentioned his trade deal with china he also mentioned he doesn't want any more testing by the north koreans and then he jumps to democrats are lying about the stats that are homeland security have said yeah. <laughs> that basically say that border crossings are, are at an all-time low so it's just really hard to follow him but the one thing that stood out to me the most and i need to quote this because first of all i'm quoting someone who had a really great conversation with president xi of china this is the same president that has moved forward and got past legislation that pretty much means he can be in power forever Right. So, of course, he loves dictators. So he loves Kim Jong-un. He loves president. He loves Vladimir Putin. And now he loves President Xi. But he goes on to say during his speech, uh, he asked President Xi if they have a drug problem. And I'm going to quote him. He said that President Xi said, no, we don't have a drug problem. I said, why? Um, the death penalty. We oh, wow. give death penalty to people that sell drugs. End of problem. What do we do? We set up blue ribbon committees, lovely men and women. They sit around the table, they have lunch, they eat, they dine, and they waste a lot of time. Sounds like his executive time, but move. I, I digress. So if we want to get smart, we can get smart. You can end the drug problem. You can end it a lot faster than you think. So, so yes. Yeah, so thanks. it's, so now after he was prompted to sign the first step act right which was to which was an important piece of legislation in order to start to reverse the wrongdoings that our criminal justice system have placed upon black and brown men in regards to unfair drug offenses yeah. now he's supporting the idea that we should just murder drug dealers which is problematic for a lot of reasons again like drug addiction is and even someone making the option to sell drugs as a job like mm -hmm. there's something going on to where that that's 
you know, I'm, instead of like applying or whatever, there's mm -hmm. some type of skill building that needs to happen. Right. But as far as drug addicts um, and drug addiction, there's like things and emotional things that happen with that. Mm -hmm. But that should not be the go-to solution for a, any drug problem, whether you're selling drugs, you need different opportunities to work, mm -hmm. or if you have an addiction, there's some emotional, psychological hurt trauma going on yes as to why you you know why you're coping with that because really a drug addiction for those of you who are not social workers if you didn't know it's a survival method so it's what's called a maladaptive coping skill really is it's just inconvenient for those who are involved with someone who's addicted and mm -hmm. usually trauma is a factor right um and that needs to be worked through with mental health services and other kinds of support services mm -hmm. so Killing the people is not not, not the not answer. answer. Like yeah, and I think the other issue we have in America again, because this is a country where our institutions are just like layered in racism. It, yeah. with the way we view the modern day drug dealer, especially in regards to fentanyls, a lot of times they view you know the black and brown thug as the reason why drugs or drug addictions happen instead of addressing the fact that we had for 20 years doctors yeah, majority white companies. just panning out painkillers because these drug companies were furnishing them with gifts mm -hmm. and giving them, you know, the opportunity to just over prescribe these things. And so fentanyl, that for people who don't know, it really is. It's it's anesthesia. It's right. not like people throw the Reuter on. I don't think people remember that. Right. Fentanyl, it's like if you're going to go get like some kind of surgery where you need to be on an operating table. I'm obviously not an anesthesiologist, but right. fentanyl mm -hmm. is anesthesia. So mm -hmm. it's not like. Benadryl. I'm gonna take this Benadryl with this opioid, and I'm gonna get super high. It, it's to knock you out for mm -hmm. hours, so you can get you know cut on or, or whatever. So it's so it, so. It sounds like <laughs> it's a, you know it's medical. The medical system mm -hmm. was very involved in that. And yeah. Can go, yeah. I just wanted to add. To right. That. Right. And it just sounds like again, this is another time where the president used fentanyl, probably out of context. Yeah. Because <laughs> as you notice, like I think he was trying to make a core. He's trying. He never says it. Never says anything in context. But <laughs> it, it's just. So he throws this out there and doesn't realize he's really walking back a signature piece of legislation that his, his, him and his Congress, Congress just signed two months ago right. by even thinking that like these same people, these same men and women who sat around, eat and dine are the same Republican congressmen and congresswomen who are standing around him asking him to sign this piece of legi right. legislation into place. So it's just... It's just, again, he just finds a way to put his own foot in his mouth, to step on his own toes, to really just walk the conversation back. And I just found this particular part of it all to be just completely disturbing. And I mean, yeah. now we're taking our advice from President Xi. Like, uh, of all people, like the Chinese now have have impacted, yeah. you know, the legislative process for a president. I mean... I'm sorry, President Bush and Dick Cheney wouldn't even think that this was an okay move to make. So it just boggles that mind that we sit here in 2018 and this is the kind of nonsense especially, that we have to deal with. Especially because there's cultural differences between, you know, how uh, the American, you know, polity, like the 
yes. works and then cultural differences between what the Chinese people need or want out of a leader. Mm -hmm. So these are very, you know, very different things. So for, you know, our acting president to even consider that is very concerning. And then I often, especially, and now I'm, now I'm thinking about when Trump did have that press conference about the wall, like I'm thinking about, you know, senility, like where's your brain at to where you're having this press conference and you're like in this sing-songy voice you know, talking about how you're going to build a wall and it's going to be great. And, you know, I don't even know, is Mexico still paying for it? Uh, Mexico been <laughs> told us what we can do at our wall and yeah. where we can put it. So, so I am. Yeah, I'm concerned. It's a date like it's I think people um, because of I guess because of the comedy of it all, I think they really underestimate how dangerous a time we're living in. But mm -hmm. it's very concerning if you think about just history and how certain things um, come about when you have. I guess, leadership. <laughs> right. Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. And yes, things are getting even more dangerous and culture. And it's some, it just upsets me sometimes because she is a Cornelian. She is yeah. from my alma mater. But then we have Bill Maher and then we have me. So I feel like there's balance. <laughs> um, but she mentioned, she tweeted this week that, of course, the MAGA hate crime of Jesse Smollett was a hoax, just like all hate crimes um, are a hoax. Wow. So it's unfortunate that, you know, we had to and we still have to kind of unpack the severity of, you know, Jesse Smollett's actions. Um, I don't know what to make of it, honestly. I'm right. still kind of like in... I'm in shock. I am. I just in find shock. it all very bizarre, just mm -hmm. from a everything perspective. Mm -hmm. um, just as a person, just you know, just everything. It just really is bizarre. Mm -hmm. I still don't even know what to make of it. Cause yeah. It's just really strange. And you know what? I don't think that it's wrong for us as black people to hold our elected officials and our entertainers to a higher standard yeah. when talking about things this important to our communities. Um, we know that our LGBTQI brothers and sisters have a real struggle and is nothing to make light of. As you mentioned before, we've seen an uptick in hate crimes and we've mm -hmm. seen an uptick in domestic terrorism and domestic terrorism plots. So it's for me, you know, I, of course, was definitely a defender of his. I still am because I still feel like all of the evidence so far has been circumstantial. It's been some text just like President Trump and Russian collusion. We still have not found Nothing a done. gun. <laughs> you know, we have not found a thing that have, that has made, you know, 45 guilty of collusion with the Russians, even though all the people around him is guilty of lying it's about the way they have colluded. Unethical behavior. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I will say the same thing about him his character you know this has been ethics, yes from beginning to end especially if this is really rooted in the fact that he wanted to get more exposure to build his brand um and, yeah, like, and that's what i don't get like if you don't like your like if you don't like your job or the people you hey. work especially as an entertainer and i'm yes. not like an entertainer but i know they have lawyers i know there's a union, agents there's a whole union exactly you can go to. like i just feel like there's better ways to be like i need to be more of a star or i need to get paid more i feel like there's a way exactly ways. so i'm just still in like bizarrely like what i'm just, 
I don't understand the yes. whole situation. I definitely think there's more information that's going to come to the light. Um, this case is definitely not I hope so. done. It's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Right. And I think that we, <laughs> we need to have a conversation about how we as black people react to these things when it happens to us. And what do we do moving forward? Because he's not the first entertainer to screw up. I love Chris Brown to death, but we thought oh. his career was over after the pictures of Rihanna's face surfaced. I Chris mean, Brown definitely needs some help. He's definitely got domestic violence issues. But Jesse's with Jesse's situation, I'm not inclined to believe um, police officers' reports of anything. So that's where I'm at too. Exactly. So. <laughs> I mean, it's Crook. It's Crook yeah. County. It's Crook County. Yeah. Look, what is his name? Laquan Smith case. The yeah. case where the body cam Chicago footage. Has an issue. They have a footage, and their um, the police chief mentioned that Chicago is not perfect, yeah. and that they definitely have work to do. And you know, unfortunately, the only thing they got right this week was charging R. Kelly with ten counts of child abuse so i want to say crook county That's you finally what, we, what they caught him with yes like they to be in jail. yeah i mean and probably underneath it um, I, w- I was one of the people I did not support him um, unfortunately I feel <laughs> like we have funded his attorney fees because of course you know this man went on tour after oh, yeah. the Lifetime series came out his stream spiked so he got probably got a few checks from his label and those streaming services yeah. so good job for making sure R. Kelly can pay for this. And um, he'll probably find some way to get around it. I mean, for the most part, at least from what I've seen Mm -hmm. and like the past times that he's been brought Mm -hmm. to court, there's always some like weird, strange, like technicality. Right. To where he's to where he's not doing jail time or he's paying a fine or he's just paying a settlement, you know, for really ruining all these these girls these girls lives i'm not going to say women because these are girls they're yes. little kids 14 year so, old women young women i am um, i hope that he actually does jail time but in the past it just seems as though he's gotten off because of like these technicalities i'm again i'm not a lawyer social worker here <laughs> right that, that he's always able to somehow get out of it mm-hmm. and it's just infuriating and it it just feels um it just doesn't feel good, and it just looks terrible. It just looks terrible. Like yeah. we should do a better job of protecting our girls, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do a good job, though, in protecting Black women in different spaces. So we're gonna jump into a conversation regarding presidential contestant candidate um, Kamala Harris. Um, there have been some articles that have come forward to question whether or not she is the progressive that she claims to be. Mm -hmm. I'm going to definitely, you know, let all of my listeners know that there was a article done by the New York Times by Lara Bezalone. Um, She's a law professor and former director at the Loyola Law School Project um, in Los Angeles. And she basically wrote an article called Kamala Harris was not a progressive prosecutor. And I think that, you know, black women, we get excited when one of our own is deciding to step out and be a leader and really 
on a stage as scrutinizing as running for president decides to put exactly um, decides to step into a space that's white male dominated and wants to really show that we have what it takes to do everything including run this country so you know I will commend her on that but her record is a little shaky and it, it's it's clear from a few articles i've read something by jamila king she has a podcast called mother jones um definitely listen um listening to her show but you know we have to really be able to look black girl magic is a real thing mm-hmm. right and i love that we will support each other and make sure that we feel that love so that that you know, pushes that person to be them best selves. But we we also have to make sure that we are looking at the facts and really doing our own research mm-hmm. into the person and their motivations. Um, you mentioned before we started taping that I feel like with her record, if she was a black man, we yeah, may paper. be throwing her paper, throwing her under the bus. Yeah, I think on paper, if you were just a you know if you were just to look at her just on paper and if she were, you know, a white man yes. or anything other than Oh, yeah, than if she was a white Kamala man, we'd Harris, really we would be. be concerned. And I personally am concerned with um, why she wasn't more progressive because as far as taking her as a whole picture, mm-hmm. she did do some great things as far as um, she had a program called Back on Track mm-hmm. where first-time nonviolent offenders had the opportunity to kind of, you know, change the trajectory of their life by doing, um, getting involved in um, like individualized support programming, um, you know, job training, just anything to kind of really divert them away Mm -hmm. from being a felon, you know, Mm -hmm. as long as they went by the rules. So that's a great program that she had. But then you look at the other side of some of the things like for me, what was problematic was the truancy loss that she had. If you have parents who are having a hard time getting their kids to school, jail is not going to motivate them to get the kids to school because they're probably poor. They probably are having transportation issues. Mm -hmm. They probably have food security issues. There's probably a whole host of things. And it's probably because I'm a social worker. I look at it that way. Punishing them or threatening a parent with jail time because they can't get their kids to school, which is if you're poor, you know, school is an opportunity to kind of get your child in a place or to jump incomes or opportunity for them to have a different life. Mm -hmm. So if me as a parent, I am struggling to get them to a basic thing like, you know, school on time and every day, there's some other things that we need to be looking at, um, I guess, support wise and lifestyle wise, other than you're going to go to jail. I'm going to find you for not getting your kid to school on time. That was like, to me, that was like way on the harsh side. And her response to that question on Don Lemon was, you know, I'm, I'm a prosecutor and some people just won't like prosecutors. And I really feel that that is just such an incomplete response. And I think that her truancy, right, exactly. And I think her truancy legislation should have been connected to a few things. It should have been connected to, you know, maybe the school day needs to start later in communities of color. Also was when she decided to write this legislation, did she consult with the school board and parental group communities? Yeah, like the parents, even like, again, like social workers, of course, that's all you're going to hear me talk about because I love social workers because I am. But as far as her being a prosecutor, I wonder if, and this is why it's important to be like multidisciplinary and like bring in all the groups. Mm -hmm. So not only the parents, you know, having a social worker, you know, group, 
you know, maybe the local NASW, whatever, mm-hmm. take an assessment, like go to these communities. Mm-hmm. What is really the struggle? I don't believe for one minute that a parent has children that's like, oh, I'm just not sending Johnny to school. Like, right. there's no parent that does that. And if there is one, there's some there's something else going there. But I think that the problem for me with the way um, she had this truancy policy is that it seemed like she didn't even investigate or even care to know what these families were going through day to day that was hindering them from getting their kids to school on mm-hmm. time. Like there had to be something else going on. And I think she needed to talk to these parents or send someone on the prosecutor's behalf right. to see what it is. There had to be another way other than, you know, let's jail just lock time. them up. Yeah, let's just lock up parents because then you have a situation where if parents are in jail, then the kids are immediately going into foster care. Right. If there's no kinship care available or anything mm-hmm. like that. So that's just perpetuating like a cycle of literally breaking up the black family, mm-hmm. which I'm I'm pretty sure that all these families that were affected by this are probably, you know, poor black families. So, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to run down quickly a few things for you guys to keep in mind um, just regarding her record. As a DA, she upheld wrongful convictions that were secured through official misconduct. So that could yeah. have been a whole host of things. Um, she withheld information about a police technician that intentionally sabotaged her work. Yeah, and that resulted in, I think, uh, several hundreds of cases just being overturned because that one technician who was involved touched all those cases. They could not keep those convictions. They just turned them all over. So that's a problem. So so <laughs> let's continue to also waste taxpayers' dollars with and, and wait, you know, and really negatively affect the lives of some families when, you know, in both ways, there could have been cases where folks should have been found guilty and those cases were thrown out and yeah. vice versa. There could have been cases where the yeah, person was, was negative, neg- you know, negatively impacted them because they should have never been in jail. She as an attorney general, she fought to appeal a death, a death penalty reversal case. So Which is interesting because she'll say that she was not a fan of the death penalty. And mm-hmm. I know. I don't know that many lawyers, but I understand that. I know a prosecutor, I guess the core part of their job is to protect, I guess, the state or right, whatever. Right. But, you know, to what end, I guess, in my mind, mm-hmm. is to what end are you protecting, you know, the state, you know, at what cost, you know, with things like this, appealing, you know, a wrong, you know, death penalty mm-hmm. when I think the person in question probably shouldn't have gotten it. She also refused to support statewide standards regulating the use of body cameras by police officers. And she also opposed a bill requiring her office to investigate police shootings. Yeah, she would not prosecute uh, right. police officers at so. all. Um, and I mean, after after we all got to know Barbecue Becky in Oakland, I'm sure yeah. that we are all familiar and really can see that there is a tension occurring in that area in regards to just r- r- race relations and police relations. You know, the gentrification of Oakland at this point yeah. is definitely something we've seen across this country, and it's a hotbed for those things. So for her to, uh, again, continue to claim to be a progressive prosecutor when her record does not speak for itself in that arena it just does not it looks like on paper is what I would consider you know her to be a rule of law candidate which is where basically the law is the law and whatever Mm -hmm. it says that's what's going to be supported Mm -hmm. even though she was clearly you know in the position to do otherwise yes so with progressiveness 
the thing about it is if you find yourself in the position to be that way, that's generally what you're going to go to. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to try to move it forward progressively. Um, I don't think anyone would expect her to change things overnight, but I think our expectation would be to look at her record and to see she had a opportunity here to be progressive. Did she, you know, yes or no? And looking at her record as a whole, it seems like she pretty much supported whatever the law was yes, at, the time, at the time, which is a little scary. Um, and if she's, you know, if yeah. she's claiming to be progressive. And, you know, to be quite honest, if I didn't say, if we didn't start the segment saying her name, would this, could we say that Jeff Sessions would have had a record like this? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, for, I, I mean, mean that's a good, yeah. I mean, why would we? These are things that, you know, we've seen Republican AGs and district attorneys move in this direction. Um, We would have never expected our progressive sister um, to make the to make these kind of moves. And when you're when black women are in, in a position of power, we're expected to move the needle in a direction that protects us. So when we don't see that, it's just, it's quite disappointing. So, and I think it's something that people should consider. And Mm -hmm. I think in reality, most people know who are politically involved and who want to be informed, especially Mm -hmm. in the climate we're in now. I don't think we're expecting like, you know, an absolutely perfect candidate, because if we, ever did, we could talk about some mm-hmm. of the things that the Obama administration did, uh, did mm-hmm. that were not, weren't that awesome. Um, but I think as we, you know, lead up to what's sure to be a very interesting presidential race, I think we need to consider what it is, you know, what her history is, you know, as a policymaker, what she's right. done forward. And I think my issue with her, I think today is she doesn't seem to be, she doesn't seem to want to kind of reconcile her previous record with where she's trying to go. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't heard her say as far as, you know, the truancy thing or even with the technician that was, you know, pretty much tampering with things. I haven't heard her say or justify or try to say kind of what position she was in or why. Mm -hmm. It's just like she wants everyone to, you know, start, I'm the presidential candidate and start here with a new history. Mm -hmm. But we, I think as just normal people, we want to kind of reconcile what it is that she's done in the past with mm-hmm. where she's trying to go now. And I don't think she's given us too good of any answers right. as far as that. I agree. So it's kind of, it's kind of scary. And that was a good point you made. Like if she were a Jeff Sessions or a Dick Cheney or whoever, this would be the this record. Not, yeah. Like this would it be the record. progressive record. It wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm just asking, you know, can the real Kamala Harris please stand up? Um, and hopefully yeah. in the next 12 to 18 months, we get answers to these questions. It's clear she's going to have, she has a reckoning with, you know, our progressive community and activists on the ground. Mm-hmm. They realize this. They, they've read all of this before this article is written. They knew this. Um, yeah. And the answer is not like, you know, well, somebody, some people just don't like prosecutors. Like that's not the answer. No, it's not. Like, the answer is not, um, you know, just, Oh, people just don't like me because, you know, I'm a black woman running for, uh, I mean, that may be true, but I think there's just some questions that a lot of us have. I know that I have Mm -hmm. that have not been answered well by her as far as, you know, in light of all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of scary. Right. It is. (laughs) Um, So to wrap things up on today's show, we learned a little bit about Adrian that we loved. So we need to hear a little bit more. Where can people find out about 
this group that's supporting girls in Africa going to school? Um, you actually can just um, go and type in childadvancement.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kina, I don't know, I'll probably leave you with it. But yes, yeah, just childadvancement.org. Okay. And you'll be able to see all the stuff that we're doing. I actually should have brought the flyers for the fashion show. Um, Do you know what it is? Yeah. Go ahead. So, look in your email. <laughs> sorry. Um, so it is, and I want to get the date right. It's April 27th. But okay. And it's in Buffalo, New York? It is. It's at Duville, actually. Okay. Um, last year, we did it at the Carousel Museum, which was really cute. Um, but yeah, it's April um, 27th, and it's at um, Duville. So it starts, I will have to be there at 2. So I, I think we're starting at um, 4, I think. Um, but yeah, it's at Duville. It'll be awesome. I'll give Keena more information. But yeah, we, um, we're we also looking for like business sponsors if you want to sponsor it. So that is where you can find out more about that. Um, with CRISP, you just type in literally crisp.org and you'll be able to find out about our advocacy day. March is social work month. So we'll be down there doing social work, lobbying on Capitol Hill mm-hmm. on March 19th. And then on the 20th, that's when we have our roundtable at NYU Mm -hmm. um, about if social work can save democracy. So awesome. That's all good stuff. Um, Where can people find more about you on social media? Me, I have way too many aliases, but um, you can find find me on Facebook. I am um, Pepper Potts, which people are a lot a lot familiar with um i miss pickles on instagram and i miss pickles on twitter so i kept those the same but i need to just like change my name need so to grow up you need me. to social media grow up i know one handle from the government i need one listen i has <laughs> my homie forced me to you yeah, know get to. rid of my aliases so yeah. i'm gonna have to because i'm on the leadership committee for crisp and then with being a board member like people are trying to find out stuff and, and they can't how am find I gonna you. promote yeah like so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to grow up it's boss time. up time for her it's boss up time <laughs> it's she's doing time. a ton of things that I'm excited to hear about um I'm well I'm, ex- I'm happy that you made it on the show today I'm thank you I so much to. I appreciate you yeah. I want to um, come back I like this this is fun she'll be back because this was an awesome conversation we touched on a lot of things y'all know how we do get involved and get involved today it's the surge 2020 if we can send 100 million men and women to war we can send 100 million men and women to vote we need change and not later but now thank you so much for tuning in i appreciate you this was an awesome conversation thank Thank you you so much i like my new hair i hope you like it too i'm switching (laughs) it up every episode because y'all know how i do i can't you know i can't keep things the same it just does not work (laughs) out that way but thank you so much again for listening to Citizen the Pod. What's up, citizens, voters, patriots? It's your girl, Kina Zantel. And if you want to know more about me and the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kina Zantel. And also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Kina Zantel, and hit subscribe on all the podcast platforms that you're listening to the show on.